Hello everybody, welcome back yet again to another episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast. This is episode 36. You are once again joined by Mark and Graham, your regular co-hosts. Good evening, Mark. Good evening, Graham. How are you going? Not bad. Um, Again, this is episode 36. Um, We've just gone through and run our sort of main major comp of the year which is our TD Long Range Challenge and then the, the various sort of things we do alongside that on the Saturday, Friday and Sunday. So we'll, tonight we're going to talk about that and a few other things. Um, yeah, I guess there's no real point on talking about what we've been up to since the last podcast because it has mainly just been prep for the Long Range Challenge, hasn't it Mark? Mark? Yeah, just on that, I was talking to a former listener on the weekend, and uh, he said he stopped listening because we tended to make him jealous with the stuff we were doing. So we're sort of going to talk about that we did nothing. Just say that we don't shoot Get guns. Back. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not sure how we're going to do that, but just when we say what we've been up to, you say uh, no, not a lot, really. <laughs> not a lot. Just well, to be. That should, that should get back one listener so we're back up to seven again so i guess just just administrative that's all minute, to, say. to be fair in the lead up to this event i had my myself i had not been doing a lot of shooting it's just been um match prep and uh, the various things that go into uh all the moving pieces for a large event so the or floating stuff onto me yeah yeah and you and simon and phoebe and um, everyone else the lowly farmer and then I just sort of sit back and tell everyone I've done all the work you've figured me out so again yeah, this yeah. this event was um, well our first one was in 2019 so since then it's it's got um, uh, progressively bigger um, to encompass now we, we did the same last year but so last year we ran on the Friday we ran our, what we call the long range um, I don't know shootout uh, so it's a one kilometre and a 1.6 kilometre target, uh, and there's a magnum and non-magnum uh, class for both. You got a set amount of shots, and you engage, and and there's sort of a cascading point system for how that works. And then on the Saturday last year, anyway, we ran the the long range challenge, which is a a hunter, a practical, and an open class. So that's targets over from, two days. Oh, over two days, yes. Yeah, sorry, we repeat yeah. we repeated the course of fire on the Sunday. And then we amalgamated the points. Now we got lucky last time, and that the weather was essentially identical, a bit wind and um, heat. Luck of the draw, Graham. I keep telling you. Luck of the doing this. luck of the draw, right? So, uh, heading into this year, although to be fair, the weather was similar. Uh, we decided. To, Where does it stop? I can say a gust of wind ruined my chance of winning. Stop it. Uh, that's what Anthony and Wilkie keep telling me for their two D three class. <laughs> no. Um, they got the worst of the wind, is that there? Apparently, apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Um, apparently. yeah. And um, and then so what we did is... To, so the trouble with that being you could have rough conditions on the Saturday and then calm conditions on the Saturday, right? On, <clears throat> on Sunday, sorry. So Fingers you, crossed. Yeah, so, so, you know, one could be at a huge disadvantage to the other. So what we did is we ran the Friday, uh, which we'll discuss more in detail, but um, as per last year with just a little bit more organisation to make it run a bit smoother. And then Saturday was the main long range challenge. And then on the Sunday, 
we allowed the repeat of the long range challenge but it was non-competitive so people couldn't make it and but on the saturday and they still wanted to test themselves um they could run through the course of fire it was just essentially wasn't in the running for the trophies or any of the prizes from the saturday and then the the big change to this year's um this year's event was on the sunday we we ran a 223 only class with its sort of um own kind of own ish sort of course of fire that was an amalgamation of some hunter class targets and some practical targets out to about 600 meters and, and a few different changes thrown in. Now that was competitive. That was, um, in fact, very competitive. So that was for a trophy and um, all the all the points were tallied up for that. So <clears throat> slightly different from last year. Um, and, and as I mentioned, sponsorship. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. Mark took care of that. Um, yeah. So we just I guess refined the event a little more. Um, as I said, if we had have run it concurrent days Saturday and Sunday against each other it probably wouldn't have been a huge issue because we had similar ish winds and and, and, and the same kind of temperatures if, if not a little bit hotter on the Sunday but um, but yeah I think it, the way to do it was how we done it what do you think Mark? Yeah I'm happy with that as long as we expand the numbers on Saturday next time expand them how do you mean? more people this just creates all sorts of headaches no come on oh, we know that Good God. Eight eights to sixty something. No. Whatever they are. <clears throat> We'd have to start very early. Or add in stages, which would be difficult. No, but we didn't finish that late this year. True, and you can always um, start earlier in a summer event. Um, you know, eight o'clock or something. Yeah, maybe, hey, we could always look into it. Um, well, I'm just saying to because I'm I, I've just got a feeling I've seen the same faces all the time. So we need to do things to include more people and get more people interested. You know. Yeah, fair. That's all fair. I'm, I'm, yeah. So it's, it's my only. It's the only problem. The, the change from last year to this year, yeah, it was the fact it was non-competitive day two. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure we um, cater for the most people. You know. But then, and the way we run it now, squad-wise, has made it faster anyway. We haven't got autonomous squads meandering along, like having a chit-chat every half hour and a break for a cup of tea. So, yeah, that's all I'm. No, no, all Karen. Positive, all positives. But um, yeah, no, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. There's just a few things you have to sort of tune up for bigger squads but um we did it at the, the last winter event to be fair and um that was on a short day uh so, yeah so yeah, yeah. but you know yeah, yeah. let's talk about each day uh, Friday. so the friday itself again it's for the one kilometer it's a 300 millimeter um square target so 12 inches if you uh above the age of 60 or live in the united states um and you had at the one kilometer you had five shots to engage it and i think what well, had the points work mark was it four three two one one yeah so first round impact was worth four second three third two and then the, the remainder one you were not given so you had um event staff were spotting so no one else was on glass no competitors looking through the rough scopes no nothing the only thing they're allowed to do was confirm distance with binos if they wished but they weren't allowed to spot shots 
So your first three shots were not called. So now the only way we would call you is if it was for some reason an unsafe shot. So, but that wasn't an issue. So uh, lovely big hill, plenty of uh, area to see splash. The idea was the competitors. Part of the challenge was that they that they spotted their own shots and um, made corrections. So yeah, again, five shots for the K for both Magnum and non-Magnum. And then the mile was, I think they had an extra minute of time off the top of my head. And they had seven shots. And yeah, four minutes. Yep. Yeah, and the points were the same. Um, and they're just more worth one point, essentially. Um, yeah, nothing too yeah. crazy. So I pawned this off to Mark this year. Uh, last, last year we had, um, to be fair, last year there was a lot more people interested in it than I anticipated and a lot of people didn't pre-book um now that I think about it i probably should have built a heap of them because they never paid but they turned up wanting to shoot it and weren't registered so me being far nicer back then i was fine with that um and they just sort of went to each position when it suited them and shot got in line to shoot the issue this caused was some shooters were waiting for more favorable wind conditions uh dragged the event on for much longer we were waiting for people we couldn't find people that kind of thing so the idea this time was that you had a tee off time like in um in golf so so mark um organized exactly that essentially so they would now if you were shooting all four um classes so magnum non-magnum at both distances obviously there's a little bit more work to do around uh when you shot we wouldn't make you walk back and forth between the two firing lines um all those times but do, do you want to talk about how you went about that mark in a non in a simple way i guess yeah 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 it's very technical mathematician type stuff uh highly advanced um but basically i just split up the people that were shooting all four disciplines i suppose um and put a gap between each of them and then there's about half a dozen of them and then just each class and then basically allocate a number so a shooting order for each person so it meant that no one shooter had you know they had at least five competitors between them and their next shoot at a different position say so it meant that they could all they did to do was got given a sheet and say you're shooting fifth at the mile non-magnum and that's your first one your second one will be shooting tenth at the 1k magnum or whatever and so on and so on so it meant that uh we just called out the names of the magnum and non-magnum shooter in that in position one and away they went on on each the two ranges so and it went really we were real worried we'd run out of time we'd sort of talked about it with simon and set up a bit of an estimate and i thought it'd be two hours and 20 minutes i think um, you know to get through which would have put us right on dark or basically last light and um no we got there with probably 10 minutes to spare so which meant i could have a shoot at the end but um so i know everyone and a couple of people commented that it worked well and i mean that you know there was no waiting around um i mean some, some people finish early but that's you know just the way it is I, but in general i tried to put a gap a reasonable gap between each person's first and second shoot or third or fourth yeah, so no, it worked out well. I think it did. We had, f- uh, we had 80, 80 individual 
I guess, uh, stages to get through in that time frame. So, I mean, next year I think we'll just probably start a little earlier. Depending on, we'll probably get more people in again next year. So, I think so even just popular, even just thirty minutes earlier probably wouldn't be a negative. Um, no, that's right. Briefing at four thirty and kick off five, and then yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I we think we only had to talk for ten minutes anyway, quarter of an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's a long brief for some parts of, some parts of the country, but anyway. Um, oh, good luck, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Have a good day out there. <laughs> Don't shoot Kind of briefing. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, it definitely improved how it ran. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you have to get a little bit um, a bit more structured, and not unfortunately, but more structured in how you do these things and tell people, hey, listen, this is your shoot time. Um, you know, be there or be square. You know, it's just if you miss out, you miss out because you can't follow instructions. And giving everyone that sort of uh, not pressure, but um, instruction uh, or expectation probably would be the word. Um, it certainly moved things along. There was some. Well, the, other thing, uh, aim, the other thing I aim to avoid is someone shooting uh, two classes one after the other, which would give us some advantage. So, yeah. For yeah. Example, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so again, sharing sharing rifles was the other one. Yeah, so that's one thing we didn't want is um, like say me and Mark were shooting the same gun, and say I shoot, bang 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 bang. I'm like shit. The wind's point four left, and then I'm, I go to Mark. Hey hey, just put on point four left, and he jumps on. Set up. Good yeah. Luck. So we, we had a bit of that in the past. So this time it was just no deal, and 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 for that point too, no one's spotting for them and. Um, and, and just us yeah I think it went well people seem to have fun um, we didn't what's we've talked about in the past but when we ran this event the first time back in uh, 2001 we had some really funny excuses going 2021? on 2021 2021 um, did I say 2001 oh man <laughs> you went back 20 years I was 9 anyway um, I wasn't even uh, you were <laughs> you were like 35 um but we had a lot yeah, of probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of funny excuses from guys you know oh shit I normally hit everything I aim at a thousand metres blah, blah, blah. but a, a lot of people I'd actually say the quality of shooting was probably a little bit better than last year across the board now I took care of the thousand metre end um, along with Carl our sort of um, one of our most uh, loyal volunteers and then Mark and Simon took care of the one mile range as per last year and it was looking pretty bleak looking pretty bleak so I think we were like eight shooters in on the mile and we had one hit <laughs> so, yeah that's so it, was, it was pretty hard pretty hard going. what was the wind like at the mile uh changeable probably yeah be, it wasn't ridiculous nothing, though was nothing, it nothing uh no yeah but see i'd uh test shot and in in moderate winds i don't know a week before and it was a lot easier if you had a just a consistent wind yeah, yeah that's fair that's fair and, and yeah i guess the heat the updraw whatever all week, yeah the wind was yeah i just said certainly saw a lot more shots going all over the shop so and i don't know whether that's just <sighs> technique you know I'd, I'd someone had, someone had hit low and then then suddenly bang they'll be up and left or something you know it just yeah I'd say a lot of it is people just 
they they don't have data past a thousand, or their gun's good to a thousand, and the projectiles are, uns, you know, or the load's not stable past a certain point, or whatever. I don't know. It's um. Yeah, I I did notice that with my um so my three three eight, the two fifty grain ammo, runs out of puff, about three hundred meters shorter than the three hundred grain stuff, and so it was a lot more inaccurate at a mile than the 300 grain stuff yeah whereas at a k there wasn't a lot of discernible difference between the two two loads so i took that as and when i looked at the speed yeah it's plummeting the 250 grain 338 ammo was was slowing right down so it's you know it's gone past the transonic zone all that sort of whatever i don't know but a lot earlier whereas the 300 grain stuff's almost getting there before it's hitting that zone sort of thing speed wise yeah yeah for sure yeah it's um and, and one other thing that will certainly play into effect uh, <clears throat> it will become very apparent at a mile is people's extreme spread in their ammunition so um you know if, the, if their velocity spreads more than like 20 feet per second or, or some people might be up in 40 to 50 you're going to get a lot of vertical spread at a mile um and and getting a, yes. a hit will be purely by chance whether that shot is in the middle of that spread <clears throat> or whatever you know so you'll shoot low and then so you'll aim high and then the next one will be faster so it'll go even higher or, or something like that so um, yeah I, I, we chronoed the greek ammo that's exactly the case in point and it has a extreme spread of 60 i think yeah that's and so i said in a k and when we were because it's not very accurate anyway i said you'll see it'll hit the high and low round to round you just and it'll be only due to the velocity yeah so, and, and that's what it was doing so um whereas yeah. the hornady amac stuff same height all the time just yeah. about you know sort of your best bet with like a super high and low is just to keep aiming in the middle yeah and, and hope that you, you know instead of like adjusting it for like just to keep catch it. the average yeah yeah i guess so um but as for the K, um, most people's data was pretty well in the ballpark, I'd say, this year. Um, down the right side of the target, we had a um, just a big trench dug in the bank. Everyone was off, you know, 90% of shooters were off right edge. Oh, yeah. But pretty much everyone was like 0.3, um, 0.3 mil off the right. Um, and, and they were seeing that, but... Kind of. Not. The deeper the trench got... Yeah you get into the I mean it's pretty bloody dry up there at the moment but you get into that damper um, volcanic ash yeah. clay right and so it's it's a it's a vanishing light, yeah and it gets quite soft yeah. so if you were off the left side um, if you overcompensated for wind um, it was very very easy to see a splash and, and those initial shooters would have had more advantage but to be fair you could see most things it was just guys um yeah they just weren't watching well enough i guess would be the main the main thing i'd say um some people were exceptional um like we said so the winner for non-magnum at the k was callum Bearsley. he's one of the element, yeah. element optics team shooters um his first shot went just over top of the plate he spotted it you can generally tell when someone spots their own shot because they'll just reload straight away and they won't look at their turrets they won't scratch their head or anything if someone doesn't know where it's gone, they always lift their head and they check their turrets and they, 
that you see they're a bit confused but so Callum his first shot went just high he just quickly reloaded um, he obviously brought his point of aim down he didn't fuck around with his turrets he wanted to keep the wind where it was you know try keep that same um, wind hold he had instead of fucking around and he just pumped four shots into the middle of it um, in a matter of you know I don't know 10 seconds 15 seconds and um, <clears throat> so yeah, so he got four out of five um, so he missed the first shot and then got the four um, preceding that six mil six mil Creedmoor yeah yeah um, uh, and then for the Magnum 1k uh, Ian Hughes got five from five with his 300 Norma improved um, yeah just he just smoked it five from five um, that's awesome that's the first person yes to yep. clear it yep. yeah in both years yep. yeah I think last year it was four out of five won the Magnum from yeah. memory which was Anthony yeah yep. And then, yeah, and then so that was um, piece of piss um, for them. They just um, went in with a plan and got it done. And, yeah, it was it was pretty good at my end on the one k. And then so how'd it go at the one mile? Uh, as I said, you know we started off probably got eight in, and we'd have had about one hit by then. Um, maybe then a couple more. What single hits? Uh, then I think we who shot Harold with a borrowed gun and he got a second round uh, impact which is three points but he didn't get anything after that sort of thing so and then by then we had some of the better shooters or you know we'd had a, a range of shooters come through but um a probably a good quarter we could not see at all you know we're saying nah, no call and we'd, we'd look at each other we even end up with the third person spotting as well uh as we got later on and you know people i think were just if you were two mils low or high you were starting to disappear um into the you know scratching to find occasional you'd see a a bit of foliage or, or a thistle or a bit of whatever flick up low down and pick them up um yeah so a real mixed bag people got on to the area but then you'd have shots going you know hitting going high right after being you know making an adjustment for being low which sort of meant their first, you know it's like anything the, the, the shot they saw low was obviously had some issues with how I don't know had issues with how they executed it, so their adjustment sent it you know the opposite you know the other way and further out sort of thing. So, so yeah, just uh, I felt better about my practice at that point, put it that way, because I had a couple of goes during the week and really could only come up with a. A reasonable starting point for my dope because um, my all my data was giving me the wrong information and I couldn't work that out all week so I just had to to write it down and hope that it was right so it was telling me about 23 mil say with a 338 um, and in reality it was 21 and a half so yeah so I'm gonna work through that trying to work out how that's gonna go but because um, it, it's okay if you know the it's a known range you're consistently shooting at but if you get to a new place where you're shooting a long way it won't work will it so anyway 
Um, I think then we got a, a f second round hit and a fourth round hit. So that was a three and a one. Uh, so that was sort of the leading pointer that way, about halfway through. And I can't quite remember who that was who got second. Can you remember? No. Um, but yeah, you know, people, even Magnum, non Magnum, having the rotation between them was quite good though. He sort of um, had a bit of peace and quiet for four minutes and then back to the loud, booming Magnums again for four minutes. So uh, Simon was spotting with the main scope, so that was good to have. He's, you know, pretty damn good at following the trace and everything, so. Um, and good at calling to the computers in a consistent way um, about where, where things are going after that third shot you know did you, um, obviously the, once we got through the the shooters that we expected to do really well were pretty much on their vicinity straight away but obviously once again going high or low or around the target getting one or two hits so um, the score sheet itself looked yeah, a bit bare, and then I think by the end, towards the end, we had uh, someone get three hits, I think that was Carl, in a row, and I think last year was the best they did was three hits as well, so, at a mile, and they were both, uh, two guys got hit, same hits from four to six, I think, um, once they got on, but this year, I think when a few people got on, it's, they still didn't help them a lot, so, don't know, what do you think? on that oh, I, I didn't get to watch it but from what I understand and watching Carl at the one kilometre he got an impact and then proceeded to rattle off his remaining shots very fast yeah <clears throat> in a controlled way and then um, the idea being same as how I talked about Callum is that you keep the same hopefully in that same um, uh, wind sort of bracket um, okay so Carl was sitting pretty well until the end day eh, for with his three through eight, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he would have been. Yeah, then there was. Yeah, he would have been third, I think. Well, third, second prior to that. Yeah. So I, because of the time and darkness thing, I'd left myself to the end, if there was time to have a shoot. So, and uh, everyone goes, "Come on, get into it." So I did. Went and grabbed my three three eight. And which I thought I had the best chance using the 300 grain ammo because I'd already been the idea of using the 250 grain stuff it just didn't seem to be doing the right things out there but uh, I think I got one hit which is one better than last year at a mile with that and then uh, I trundled out the um, I thought mildly entertaining part of the shoot because I didn't really think I'd have much of a chance was the 50 BMG so the desert tech and um, sealed it and lined up the first shot and proceeded to dry fire it without shutting the bolt so then I shut the bolt and um, pulled the trigger and got a first round hit so at a mile so by that time I was slightly excited and just about got up and ran around in circles so yeah and that was uh, full disclosure I think I managed to get 20 rounds of ammo couple of weeks ago uh, thanks to Broncos and Tauranga and um, 
So I'd only had eight spare rounds to practice with, and I stupidly wasted five of them at the K. So I ended up last week having just three shots at the mile. And I end up with a sort of a, I had a written down on a piece of paper a starting point of where I should probably start and work my way up, if you know what I mean. I thought I might hit slightly low and, or, you know, there or thereabouts and maybe work upwards in terms of elevation. But, and wind-wise, it was dying and I sort of thought, oh, okay, I originally calculated about one mil, so I just cut it to half a mil wind. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. I got it first round, third round, and fifth round. And that was the end of that. So I, I was still up at the one kilometre, just finishing off proceedings there. And I heard the first shot from the uh, the 50, and it's a very different sound, obviously, from the, the other firearms being used that night. <clears throat> and you can hear this thing, like an artillery shell ripping down the range. And then I hear... I don't hear the impact, but I how I hear Simon yell impact, and then everyone starts cheering and Mark starts cheering. <laughs> Probably one of the proudest moments of his life, to be fair. I thought, you know, flipping heck, that's that's good going. Um, like I've, we've shot the the fifty to a mile before, um, albeit on a bigger target. And then I think yeah, like you said, then you got a couple more shots. Everyone was in a bit of, I don't want to say disbelief, but uh, no, it was it was disbelief. Um, Me you, included. You included, and that you'd taken it out with the with the uh, the big bruiser of a fifty cal. Like to be fair, this fifty cal shoots nice. It's not like some of the uh, cheaper Barretts that used to come in uh, five six years ago. But um, man, it got it done. Uh, factory ammo. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive, man. Seven fifty grain Hornady Amex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the predecessor, which we knew already, it really uh, has a really low extreme spread so it's yeah it does shoot well um but the punishing recoil can be a trouble but i, I took on board a bit of what you said because the night before you were saying everything about your shooting sucks so it uh, wasn't exactly that savage but that was essentially the point yeah and so i'd focused a bit harder on my what we're seeing with my trigger and i knew it the way it does run for most people is it kicks left so I managed to uh, pretty much most of the time get it back on target to see the to see what was happening in the time frame because it's a mile, so mm-hmm. you've got more time. But yeah. as long as you know which way it jumps all the time, you can bring it back a little bit quicker onto the target because it has a consistency of of throwing itself to the left, you know, because it, it, it does kick like shit. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was uh, yeah, a nice highlight to beat some people I probably will never beat in any other competition, so <laughs> albeit truncated. Yeah, and then so, like I said, um, and then for the non-Magnum, uh, Nick Shaw one at the mile. Yeah, the, the and ch- I was going to mention uh, he got two hits, I think. Yeah, where he shoots, what did he uh, seven short action ultra mag from memory. That was a non-Magnum. Oh shivers! Sorry, um, sorry. He would have been using his six millimeter Creedmoor then. Yeah. So Nick, he's a member of Team Chinchilla Precision. So he did pretty good. Um, what the hell? Oh, it's a shooting thing. Don't even worry about it. Uh, uh, no, well, I knew from the Bowers Valley brawl, he shot really well that day, and that was a you know that 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 shoot was out to one point four k's. Did he get Would second that... or 
third that day. He did well, eh? Uh, let me look at my uh, honours board, Graham. Uh, third. Third, good stuff. Simon, Dirk, and Nicholas. Yeah, so Nicholas yeah. got third yeah. and non-magnum. So, and he talked about it then, that they'd done validation right at, yeah. to a good range with that thing. So I wasn't surprised when he did do pretty damn well in the non-magnum. Mm. So because no. he has he did shoot it really well at that long range in December so good stuff eh? and, and and it showed because I think oh god for me I think we could spot virtually all of his shots he was on you know he was in the vicinity straight away so yeah. and that and that's uh, you know, unfortunately some people just don't get the opportunity to to get that worked out and a mile also you know? a six millimeter too which like is on the lower end of what's useful at a mile and for me anyway has been it's um yeah. You know, it's a little bullet. I think he shoots the maybe the hundred and eights or no, he's using a Berger or something. Anyway. But yeah, um good work getting that done <coughs> with the uh, little six millimeter. That's a long way for a little bullet. But yeah, um Friday night was a big success. Again we finished um about as late as we would want to, uh, with having a comfortable yeah. amount of light. Um so maybe, like you say, next time we'll start a wee bit earlier. But um, yeah, we'll be a week. We'll be. We'll probably be a week earlier anyway. So that does make it. You know. Yeah, we'll get ten minutes the, of light the, back. The last last light is getting pretty quick to to diminish. Yeah. Yeah. Come the end of February. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, and, and then, we've been we've been as early as the nineteenth of February or yeah sixteenth I think. Yeah. For a comp, on that that time of year. Blah blah blah. Yeah, then we get right up, push up behind um, haymaking sometimes, don't we? Anyway, um, so then obviously we got the Saturday out of the way. That was probably the easiest of the three um, days because it was only a couple of hours of, of mucking around. And then Saturday rolls around um, and we had our the main event, our big event for the year, the Teddy Long Range Challenge. Um, so again, this is uh, open, practical and hunter class. Open and practical targets ranging from about I don't know 200 300 meters out to 1200 meters just sorry just a shade under 1200 um and this is for how far was the paper that was for hunter class so hunter class was um oh. I won't touch on hunter too much oh. we didn't have too many people on it no. but hunter was yeah 10 meters to 400 or something and unfortunately low as as is trending with um in the practical comps hunter class was low on entries um a shame to be fair because I really like it but everyone wants to shoot the other classes it's just not our choice um, but anyway um, so open and practical essentially the same course of fire there's some difference in round counts and open has a lot more gear available to them we've discussed it a bunch of times if you're more curious on how we run yeah. our classes just look through any of our previous events that'll be on our um, Facebook pages but um, yeah we had eight stages two of what we call mount doom so uh, reasonably steep downhill shots and um, uncomfortable positions we shrunk the targets on the mount doom stages there's two stages there uh, significantly which increased the difficulty and we also made uh, stage one all unsupported even for open class much to their protest um, so that added a new degree of difficulty uh, plus there seems to be a large colony of flying ants live on top of that hill which 
like to land on your face and crawl up your nose and they don't bite they just they just they're overly friendly um so they make the, the hill interesting and then we had another six stages uh down on the sort of hay paddock area with everything from a long range stage out to just like as i said on 1200 um we've got some tires where it's quite a complex stage you have to shoot certain um targets certain positions and Try not to get sort of lost in the order. Um, we had a sort of a mini Casada drill where you move a um, what do you call them? The, the sort of um, why do they call it that? Just I like, have no idea why they call it the Casada no. drill. Um, Just the way the way you say it, you sound like it's oh yeah. It's no, cool. it's very common on a few YouTube channels like Enrange TV and Forgotten Weapon. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Kettlebell. That's sorry, you're moving a kettlebell. That's what you're moving. Um, and then, but probably the hardest stage I'll say for all weekend was uh, the original trench that was dug uh, for all our comps. Um, trench number one, I call it, but probably the least cool of all the trenches now that we've done several. Um, but this one, you pretty, had pretty solid though. Very solid. solid it's very well dug. Um, I, very professionally dug. Hasn't collapsed. That's a plus. <clears throat> but this was there's a couple of um, there's a. Uh, hostage target so a, at about 350-ish then there was a single target at maybe I don't know 450 and then there was a um, another hostage at like 500 or, or 520 or something and man they kicked everybody's ass um, with the sort of the wind was not like a full on left to right it was kind of coming at you but what it would do it would sort of switch from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock so if you didn't pay attention to it shifting which was very easy to ignore or, or disregard you would um your wind call would turn to custard really really quick and when it come to a what we call a hostage stage so you have um your intended target and in front of it you have two no shoots which are paint a different color and so you want to thread your bullet um past the no shoot sort of hostages and and hit your intended target behind but with the wind switching left and right um, all day, um, man, it really ate up people's scores uh, big time. Um, and Yeah, it was cool. I thought it was a neat stage. And then we had a classic Manuka pile of sticks. Um, nothing too crazy, same thing, just sort of um, several positions off that, you know, a standing, a sitting or a kneeling and a prone off the Manuka. And then we had some... Uh, people who have shot our events before may fondly or not fondly remember the rooftop um, stage we had that didn't survive this last winter due to um, uh, several factors mostly being shoddy construction um, the second being uh, high winds <coughs> that got um, smeared across the paddock so that got replaced with some a selection of large culverts um, that's a bit of a prop um, and that was pretty cool, something a bit different for us. We, we, this is our sort of our event where we run uh, more on the prop side, the man-made prop side. So it was cool to have the culverts in there. Um, and, and you engaged on the main on the main day. You engaged a spinner um, from there. Any, any comments on the stages, Mark? Uh, I was at the top basically, so I did. I like the uh, stage one where you basically had to work out a way of shooting it all unsupported well supporting by your own you know like your knee sort of thing so sitting uh 
I test shot it so I'd managed to clear it so I didn't think it was that bad I think the targets were equally difficult three of them so um, and most people I was actually showing them where to start and probably giving them a couple of ideas anyway so I wasn't just gonna leave them to it so I don't know just the way I am so I actually um, but people still battled away and just choosing what they do when they're looking at the score sheet and working out what to do if you start just burning ammo on one target whether you're better to move on type of thing so I think by the end we'd probably had uh, how many um, Yeah, six people cleared it, so, and a lot of people got pretty damn close, so it wasn't a low scoring stage by any stretch, uh, very few people zeroed it, I think they probably had more trouble with the, the one stage two, so, um, the scores on that probably <coughs> indicate, yeah, no one cleared it, so, um, and no one really got what was the possible score 22 oh yeah so a couple of people got up to 17 so and I think for me when I test shot it I got yeah that the first target out there was quite small the closest one which for memory was I don't know 300 meters maybe maybe yeah was a pretty small target so most people struggled to get one hit on that and then they either burned too much ammo and didn't have enough left for the last two so strategy wise I tried to get them to focus on what they're going to do because the two the last two targets were technically easier to do and probably on better angles from the fault you know the, the barricade so and the open class guys had an extra minute to shoot through a loophole type set of situation so yeah that was I mean I didn't really have a good look at the rest of the stages so uh, I can really only comment on those two but it was uh, certainly the difficulty level is a bit better than last year I think a lot of people did clear both last year so from the top the weather was the weather was good though so um, and the targets were yeah, as you said slightly harder but no, it made it interesting I mean the, the barricade probably needed a bit of fine-tuning to make it a bit more comfortable it was certainly a pretty steep position you could accidentally slip under if you you weren't we were a bit unlucky so just a bit of safety stuff yeah the barricade was perfect it was a right bugger of a position that was the point of it wasn't meant to be easy well not if you disappear and the lorifles left behind yeah you just sort of slide out there's only like two people in the whole day who are small enough to fall under that and you're one of them yeah true yeah um yeah the, so stage two was particularly um shit that first target was um a five inch target uh, that was a uh, uh, quite a tricky positional shot but yeah no I think like you said we, we, we made a bunch of the stages a little bit harder you touched on something there is <clears throat> people will burn up um, shots on a target and then move on I see this quite often they'll be at a shorter engagement distance and then they'll be missing so they'll move on to a longer engagement distance you know from the same position so the position's just as hard you've now increased distance and wind and then they'll proceed to miss 
the longer one even more. Um, whether it's a frustration. Yeah, but in, to, in, in my case, yeah, stage two, that wasn't the case. No, a, agreed, agreed. Literally a harder target a, agreed. at the shorter distance. I, I agree with you there. And they had to see that. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. And many other... Yeah, yeah. Now, on, on stage one, the opposite problem, I felt all three of those targets were equally difficult. Yes, you should have just shot the first target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now, with the long-range stage, I've seen a bunch of people do it as I was um, going back and forth. Um, and they would they would shoot... The, it was like a target, like, I think it was like 1,060, the first target, and the second was like 1,180 or 60 or so. And they would... Yeah. They'd get like two hits on the... They'd miss, hit, hit, miss, miss on the, the shorter one and then they'd, instead of going for their third hit they'd move on and it's like well you've already got quite a bit of information about this target you're engaging you should probably persevere and try to get that hit that third hit on that target or, or fourth hit or whatever they're trying to do instead of going to a new target worth the same points even further away even more exposed to the wind um that's something I've seen again and again and again. Um, they'd, they'd try and think. Now, there was some comment that if your shot was particularly low, it could be hard to see because of the small rise in front of it. Yeah, it'd have to be pretty low, though. And if you, you'd already got an impact, you'd sort of know your hold elevation-wise was fine. But that's something I see a bit as people, um, what I'd say, prematurely disengaging a target for a harder option. Um but yeah, but that's just this is something I see. Um, that's up to the competitor, I guess. Yeah. And then as for um, yeah, and then as for the the, the, the um the spinner stage again wasn't particularly hard. Um, but yeah, and that that sort of it was a pretty good course of fire. Like we said, we made things. But no one no one spinned it. <clears throat> no one spun the spinner. So what we did on the spinner was um. Uh, if you were just hitting the target and there's a, there's a hidden target behind it if you were just hitting them you could get 25 points max but if you spun the spinner you could get 30 points but then you have to engage the spinner in a certain way and hit top and bottom and it's, it can be quite difficult to do it, it, it takes a, a lot of trigger control and um, attention needs to be paid to what you're doing to be fair, my instinct, if I had been competing, would have just been to get the 24 points and carry on from there, which, looking at the scores, is what the vast, hugely vast majority of people done, was just logged 24 points and carried on with their day, because you're still coming out with a large sum of points um, and a, what I'd call a safe a safe bet. Um yeah, yeah no, it doesn't look like anyone um, no one spun it so yeah I'd do the same uh, and, and if I was a competitor on the day I wouldn't spin it to be fair I've never ever been able to spin one of the GPRE spinners ever so um, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not going to start in the middle of a competition that's for sure yeah but other than that and um, yeah I think like we said there was a we tried to make difficulty a little bit harder um, that, that what appeared to be a mild wind because of the directional switches of it um, gave people issues which is a good thing as a match director because if you've got no wind it sort of makes events um, you'll have your what happened to us in the last winter match is yeah, the average I think 
the top 17 were over 60% score, which is not normal at all for our events. So um, that made it, um, yeah, made it good. Um, and then as for um, the winners in each class, um, we had, in Hunter class, we had, um, in third we had Malcolm, second we had Cassie, and in first we had Calvin, which I believe is his first win in a Hunter class event, so congratulations, Calvin. Not that, not that you will yep. be listening. Uh, he did pretty well, a couple good high scores, he cleared the stage. And then open class, is who was the winner in open class dylan 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 won open uh quite convincingly and then second time in a row yes he won our winter event as yep. well in the previous uh-huh. winter and then um, cameron cameron come in second um uh, anthony and then anthony collie in third so that was that was pretty good. Um, it was good to see those um, Cameron and Dylan um, doing pretty bloody well and showing a few people up in um, what proved to be a very competitive class. And then practical class, if I click on my screen, and third, who came third? Kane, I believe. Zane. Zane Kane, uh, my dentist. Um, that's not a joke. He was my dentist for a long time. And and sick. <laughs> Your teeth are terrible. Well, he left, and they so they've oh. just gone downhill. Um, and and then in second we had um, Sam, Sam from uh, Water Water or somewhere, not Water Water, um, Morrinsville. Um, he is, yeah, he's done well in a lot of our competitions over the years. Um, like you pointed out to me earlier, yeah. a lot of second places. Um, he's the most untalked about top shooter in uh, the North Island we've decided it is I'm going back to 20 if I go back to 2020 he had second and then a third and then a second and then then he disappeared for a while but then yeah he's back yeah second no so again good work he um he, he was not too far and then surprise surprise Mr Simon Gillis himself took out first place now which is so I watched Simon shoot two stages um turned out there as worst stages of the day and so people are asking me god how's simon going i said oh shit from what i was saying not very good um it turns out i'd like <clears throat> i just watched his really bad stages um so which was the uh long range stage and the um, lunar limits three yeah no he was it wasn't a, wasn't impressed but so i was thinking oh yeah simon's Sums out. I just I'd seen the worst, his worst that day. It turns out, but then it turns out he cleared um, three stages and, and high scored a, one, six, and seven. Yeah, and then he done well on stage four, um, five, and eight as well. So, <laughs> so it turns out I'd just seen this the and, rest. and then talking to the other guys, I, they were, you know, all the goss over there. How's Simon going? How's Simon going? And I was like, oh, not very good. I think, you know, I think it's not his day. But it turns out it was his day. I just, um, like I said, seen the worst of it. But uh, so, congratulations, Simon. He now has the complete set of uh, TD Long Range Challenge trophies: Hunter Class, Open Class, and Practical Class. Um, whether that means he retires, yeah, he's yet to make that decision. But we'll find out. Um, but good work. Um, and I made a comment to him the other day that um, his office is, is starting to look like a pig hunters club because. Um, for those of you who are familiar with our trophies it's got a boar's head on it because when we first started hosting events there used to be a lot of wild pigs but now there's not so 
maybe it's time for a change of um, a change of trophy. I don't know, but um, but yeah, congratulations. Two, pig, two, pig, two pigs having sex. That would be fine. Domestic pigs or wild pigs? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. Just you know, spruce it up. Make people think he's got a, a pig collection. Picture collection of pig figurines. Pig pig. <laughs> Figurines, <laughs> a mating pig trophy. All right, we'll, we'll get on to that. Or, or other, or other plan was a life-size one. So then that, that would really put him off. Well, he did, yeah. So the trophies have got significantly smaller since we first started making trophies. Um, I think the size now is pretty good because they were massive back in the day. But um, uh, you, you can actually, again, if you see his office, they progressively shrink over the last few years. The, the big trophies will be back in fashion. Don't worry. Oh, I love the big ones, but um. Yeah, the the client the, the the winners not so much anyway, um but yeah so congratulations to the winners um from Saturday um again yeah. a bunch of upsets um which is really good to see you don't want the same people winning everything um apart from Simon uh, we like him when he keeps the trophies in Taranaki and then yeah so that wrapped up we then had a um uh, so another job that was uh, Mark decided he wanted to do was. Uh, he wanted um, a prize table. He wanted to bring on sponsors for this event to sponsor um, spot prizes for for the shooters to win. Uh, one one sponsor I mentioned before we get started on that was Swarovski New Zealand. Um, this was the sponsor that... So, so when we get sponsors, it generally doesn't actually... It, it, it helps the competitor. It doesn't particularly help the event run. So, But Swarovski New Zealand supplied a, um, a bunch of high-end... Um, spotting equipment for us to use for long range challenge for uh, ROs etc so big thank you to Swarovski for actually um, helping the event run smoother and um, yeah it's a big help um, on that side when it's actually to make the event a bit easier on our end and now the rest of the sponsors were although Swarovski did put some stuff on the prize table too we'll add. The, what's our list of sponsors Mark? you got it on top of your head there? Yep, I have. Uh, obviously had um, Hardy Rifle, so Ian came to the party with, I think it was a vouch for a barrel, a suppressor, and a... Uh, Bunch of stuff, yep. And, and a muzzle brake, yep. And um, then obviously Swarovski, who came on board with... There's a couple of nice uh, rare bags, which were probably actual legal practical bags. Uh, and the hats, which were very highly sought after. Um, both Carl's, Carlos and uh, Suaro hats. And some optical cleaning gear and a bunch of stuff. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Guns NZ sent us um, an awesome tripod, a Leo Photo tripod, carbon fiber one. Um, and logically, the first person who drew, got their name drawn, which was Cassie, um, picked that up. And the, they actually had a shoot, used it on Sunday on the 2D3 shoot. So we've got some good photos of that being used. Um, nice, yeah, single single stage basically or extension, one single extension to pull out and yeah. a, Did you, a locking I, head. I wonder if we... Good design. I wonder if we end up needing one of those ones. I can see the advantage from... Because we, we deploy from stowed when it comes to using tripods in competition, so you, you have it mm. collapsed and every, the leg's tight. But that design, um, if you're playing the game as such, is a, uh, a bit faster. But albeit you do lose a little bit of flexibility with only one adjuster but but yeah it's an interesting tripod it was a fantastic prize for guns nz to offer up and then obviously for our friends um, yeah Cassie and, Jeff and to win. a wee bad wee, wee bad wee bad wee bad whatever 
Uh, and then Target Dynamics, uh, Stu offers up some great prizes, and I think our two two last prizes came from them. Yes, uh, so so yeah, so for the most part we do spot prizes. <laughs> Which we've done before. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Um, we're not really into like winners winning prizes. They get trophies. They get the the glory as such. Now he had a couple of the mantis um which is a like a dry fire aiding electronic tool <clears throat> it, it goes it helps with trigger control a bunch of stuff um so he gave us two so for the bottom of practical and open class if you were unfortunate enough to lose you were then fortunate enough to win some training equipment um to sort of um hopefully um sweeten the bitterness of um of, of losing so very kind of them to do that and um it certainly cheered the guys up who who uh, we then had to announce who come last but they but they won a they won a really really nice prize and they're not a cheap tool either so um that's directly going into improving shooters skills yeah. so that's awesome yeah no it's good i think people despite having some hard days they seem to be pretty keen to come back again so uh, to be fair there was actually guys hoping because they'd had an average day, hoping they'd come last when we announced that there was prizes for last. <laughs> so you yeah. start tanking. That's yeah. what's called tanking. You basically <laughs> start absolutely shitting stages, and you'll you'll get last, and voila, you're on yeah. the board. You're on the board. Yeah. Uh, what did I see? One an idea from another one was basically an average score was a good way. So someone in the middle gets a prize. But anyway. Yeah. Um, then we had uh, Saber Tactical. So Carl supplied. Um, a whole bunch really of cool nice stuff, yeah. A whole bunch of cool stuff, which was pretty much snapped up pretty early on. Oh yeah, that I was. The, um, um, I think actually, I think Darren, draw. Darren, so, one of our volunteers, because um, our volunteers also get included in the draw. Yeah, he got the the very nice um, optics cover that wraps around your rifle and um, protects your scope. Yeah. After you explain what it did. Yeah, yeah he said, <laughs> I said take this, grab that. That's good. Um. Delta Optical, so Ian uh, provided a few hats and a few other things. So and some binoculars uh, and stuff, yeah. And some binoculars as well, yep. Um, and then Element Optics uh, provided a voucher for a um, helix scope. That was quite cool. So yes, actually, we were going we to give that to a, someone who needed a scope, but we couldn't really work it out. So we well, do you know what? Do you know what the trouble with this was? Mm. Back in the day, there'd be a lot of like lower end scopes at competitions. There's just not now. Yeah, true. Everyone's got like modern dialing scopes. No three to nine burrises. No, because I went round asking every RO and all the um, the volunteers and stage ROs and everything. Nah, no one had anything like that. You know, so that was um. But so that the cool thing about that scope was um, uh, the guy who picked up the voucher. He's just getting into Precision Twenty Two. He's just bought a Tika. Didn't have a scope for it. <clears throat> Boom, perfect. Helix, first focal plane. Four, nice. to, four to 16 is going to be a great option for that um, that 22. Yep. And then Outdoor Sports, obviously they uh, imported a lot of stuff. They provided um, some gun bags and other items, so it was great. Um, the gun rack, Jeff, um, he provided, uh, ooh, there's quite a sought-after few things there. Wow, a bunch of stuff, a, eh? A full-length full-length Arca barricade kit. Yep. Uh, which was pretty damn cool. Area four one nine bags, bunch of t shirts, yep. um, yep. a bunch of stuff. Um, some real nice area four one nine goodies. And, and if, for those guys yep. who know who that company is, they make some absolutely awesome kit. Um, 
Oh, I mean, I've yep. got a lot of it. So it's um, yeah, yeah, a big thing again. Um, Jeff and Cassie from the Gunrack, they've supported us for years and years and years. And yeah. to be fair, it's actually hard to keep Jeff away from your farm. He's there twice a month, it seems. But um, <laughs> I don't blame him. But I don't mind. No, no, he's cool. Uh, and he's your delivery man for all the shit you buy. Yeah, logistics. The logistics, <laughs> logistics. <laughs> Uh, then Rhino Tech, which is a Rhino, so he's a new new setting getting set up. So he provided a voucher, hundred dollar voucher for someone to get into that. So, and I see he's now um, going to be stocking Vortex Optics, which we were saying today. There's not many places you can just go to 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 get their stuff in New Zealand. It's quite odd, but anyway, um, not that many you know retailers or, or type of thing. And Arlington Arms came to the party as well with um. Yeah, <laughs> I say one of the most interesting. There was this awesome, uh, dear plastic box. You know, it looked like it had something super shit hot inside it, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's that?" And they open it up, and it was just a, a twenty MOA rail. <laughs> what? It was. Uh, I did joke. I did uh, was talking to Arlington Arms about that, and I said uh, it was quite entertaining. Everyone was like, "Oh wow, that's got to be something cool in there." Like. It looked like electronic hearing earbuds or something, you know, type of thing. But it was a rail, super fancy box, o- yeah, massively overpackaged. So that's that's awesome. the same box I run Odea rings on my comp guns. That's yeah. the same box they all come in, yeah, or the high end <laughs> rings and everything. It's even in the box, real fancy. Yeah, you open it up, it's on yeah, the angle. Yeah, yeah. That, no, to no. be fair, so I'd not seen their rails. That was a fancy looking uh, twenty minute of angle rail. Um, mm, I don't know how you can get. And puff and they've got gold leaf on it. Oh, trust, right trust now. me, I've got some EGW ones. They look like they're made out of scrap metal. Anyway. <laughs> and they're all, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But no, it was good. And that, that's about 11 odd different sponsors. And in fact, all of them are bar one. Uh, I've actually, you know, purchased stuff off them in the past. And so they're all you know, people we're familiar with in our sort of sphere or world of people that come and shoot our events. So it's good. And I hope people will get do support them and uh you know they do a lot of hard yards bring stuff in at great expense and time and trying to get stuff across the uh the ocean is not easy at the moment so no um yeah yeah, so again thank you to the sponsors they um they're there for the competitors you know what i mean they make um you know you can you get a chance at winning some pretty cool kit um a lot of cool kit actually um like yeah anyway thanks again um and thank you mark for sorting all that out um and relaying and getting things posted and um and all of that but yeah so anyway so that pretty much wrapped up saturday we did prize giving um yep uh, and and then for the so like we mentioned earlier the sunday there was a rerun of the classes which didn't have a hell of a lot of people in it we had a bunch of obviously new zealand's currently going through um uh we're like the last in the world to do it, but a, an outbreak of the coof. So um, we had people dropping out left, right, and center on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mostly, to be fair, most of them dropping out from the Sunday side of things. Uh, Friday was a cinch, sorry, Saturday was pretty well still full. Um, but yeah, so we had a bunch dropping out. So it was sort of Sunday morning, we're having to rejig a few classes and, um, you know, because we had people pulling out right up to an hour before the event. So remove some classes around stuff like that get all that sorted and um but so the main idea behind the sunday was essentially the the 223 class which is like i said earlier a new one for us but since we've been in the shortage of components and stuff for the last few years a lot of us have put together 
precision two two threes. So you know, fast twist being like a one and eight shooting. Um, you know, sixty nine to seventy seven grain projectiles. High ballistic performance for a two two three, <clears throat> and so a lot of us actually run out. They're either the same as our comp guns, or we swap barrels out or something. So, so this class ended up having essentially all of the sort of um, big names. I'm I'm doing that in air quotes in it. Um, and yeah, it was the same thing like the previous day. The wind was switchy and on. It probably wasn't as left and right, but it was certainly on or off a heap, on and off a heap. Um, and I was, so both Mark and I um, competed on the Sunday. So, so Simon was kind enough to take over um, match director role, which he obviously is um, very good at. He's done more than anybody in the country. He's probably done more than all of us combined, to be fair. Um, gave us a chance to compete. Uh, I ran my, um, so essentially what I do for practice, I've got a, uh, I shoot hours for competitions. I just take my six mil barreled action out and I throw in a short action, um, two, two, three, um, swap scope over. So same chassis, same scope, everything. Uh, although I run the, the two, two, three suppressed. And what was the two, two, three you ran, Mark? I forget you've got that many. Uh, Christian Shanam's NPR. Yeah, and now we talked about in the last episode or the one before, whatever it was, about the the um, RTD Barrel Burner match and Mark run a, um, uh, a SIG sort of uh, BDC C- electronic um, setup. Sierra 6. Sierra, yep. This worked. Now, 2-2-3s versus other 2-2-3s is a lot different from 2-2-3s versus like 6-5 Creedmoors, right? It, yeah. It, so it, it performed well, didn't it, Mark? you seem pretty yes, happy did. with it um so yeah. yeah being on a level playing field um obviously if you were shooting this class and it went out to 600 meters if you were shooting 55 grain soft point ammo you're probably going to struggle on the further stuff right especially in the wind um that, that wasn't crazy wind. i think the most wind i had on was like 1.4 mil so it's still a bit but um but as to be fair most of us were running fast was two to threes um, but the yeah, you didn't seem to have an issue with the electronic um, scope on the on the Sunday. No, I just I'd changed where I did things a bit. So I just looked at each range and straylock, and uh, with the wind I'd set. So of the three targets, I basically just chucked it in. I got four inches, eight inches, and whatever eighteen or something to worry about wind wise, and just used that um, in terms of looking at when I was at the targets because I didn't have any wind indication holes in the scope. But it was made up for by the fact I had all three distances already pre-programmed. So I just had to rotate, you know, and that showed out on stage eight, which was the culverts, where I basically just, I think it was three different targets and three different positions, so nine, you know, and just rotated bang, bang, bang for each one. And at that stage, the wind wasn't an issue. I think it was, uh, might have been quite consistently behind us i think on those ones yeah anyway it just yeah so it no it, it worked well um slight issue at long range obviously with the the wind getting a bit harder to do with those little projectiles but no no it, i think it balanced out it made up for the ease of use compensated for the lack of wind hold type stuff compensation that makes sense do you do you think 
going until you ban it. Until you ban it. Until I ban it. Yeah, <laughs> electronic scopes. It probably will get banned eventually. Um, do you think going forward? Now, I don't think this needs to be a class at every event, but at these, at, at say this event or a similar, having that second day, having the this class as an option is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it was popular. It was well, it was certainly popular, and people certainly enjoyed themselves just from the atmosphere. And uh, I probably wouldn't do it at a winter shoot. No, agreed. Um, uh, only for the big two day match. Because to add it on, uh, you know, the weather can be shit enough on a one day match in the winter, let alone going back for a second day to slog around. So, I, I more mean just uh, as in this event uh, next, next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, because I don't yep. think there's any point trying to say on a one day event open a whole other class up because all you do is split everything um so yeah. but as for how i guess just try and keep try, Sorry. try and keep it balanced try and keep it balanced to allow your your, your pretty much average 23 to be competitive probably would be my only thing yeah not you know it's like an arms race again isn't it to a degree you're gonna get that with whatever you do though yeah i i know yeah. but yeah i'm just yeah, yeah. but yeah. The, the idea was that it's guys training guns not so not as for this so this is you've got hunter class right and then this practical 223 class was uh, your bigger scopes and and that kind of thing rather than cause like if you yeah. want to take your 223 and you just run in hunter class essentially but yeah. okay yeah but, but then that said you could run put a decent scope on any 223 and you'd be competitive so yeah oh no for grain. sure for sure even if you're running like mm. 62 grain um uh, yeah. projectiles yeah no so yeah it was i i think obviously i, th- I thought it was fun um hard conditions with the wind um you had to really keep on your toes um you know what would have barely affect a six millimeter is um <laughs> is really moving a, a 223 projectile um so i was shooting i actually think it was an advantage i was shooting the 75 grain eldm projectile not very fast shit they're like 2650 or 2670 or something so they're slow um 2637 is my average so like that shivers that slow but they're a, a pretty high performance 22 bullet they also expand very well so i'm seeing a lot of splash so when i um would put a shot left or right i could identify that and and not just lose it into the the um the bank yeah. so I think running that that um that sort of that, that good bullet was an advantage on my end, and then um, obviously like recall is not really an issue, right? Because the guns are reasonably heavy, and uh, you've got big scopes and suppressors and and all of that. So um, yeah, and then I'd say it was positional heavy. There's only really ooh, two stages where you didn't need prone. Oh no, sorry, you, three stages. Um, no, two stages. Anyway, a couple of stages you did prone. So it was a lot of positional. It was good. It was, um, again, well-received. Plenty of competitors and plenty of good competitors too. Um, so it made for a really, really fun day. And um, it was good to actually... I don't often get to shoot events at RTD, so it was um, it was cool to actually compete against some of the guys and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, any thoughts well, on how'd it? That e- how'd that end up? I think... Uh... No, it was good. Uh, results were in third. God, my eyes aren't working. Mark A. Oh, Mark A. Who's Mark A? Mm. Mag Dump no, Mark coming third. Um, 
on a yep. 131 out of a possible 200. So that's pretty good going, especially in that, like I said, the wind proved a challenge. Um, yeah, so that's good shooting. So that's that you here. We're on 65.5%. So a respectable yeah, score. Yeah, I cleared one stage and I actually I top scored the tyres. So um, Did you? I didn't. Yeah. Oh, you did too. Nice. Uh, they were probably two stages that suited my rifle best. Uh, would be my, that's a fair point. Yeah. Take. yeah. And if I actually. Yeah, you got. you got So you beat Wilkie by about 2%. So a couple points. Nice, yeah. nice work, Mark. Um, Second was Ian Hughes, Hardy Rifle. So he had a pretty good weekend. He um, took out one of the classes, as we said, in the Long Race Challenge. I think he was fourth and open on the Saturday. Um, yeah. shot, shot really well on the hill. Yep. And said one bad stage, the trench. I'm yeah. assuming that's the hostage, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what that's what fucked his day up pretty bad. And then, um, so he was on 143 out of 200, so that's 71.5 percent. Yeah, and then uh, the winner, GB, giant bitch, or Graham, or Graham Bishop. Yes. So well done, Graham. Thank you, Mark. Um, so Mark actually presented me the trophy. And yeah, I didn't want it. Didn't want you have to announce your own win. Yes, that I do that. So what we do is, it's a GPRE thing, but we do it also because we copy everything they do. As a winners, if there's trophy or not, you get a box of chocolates with it, and yes, you um, sort of share it with everyone. <clears throat> Obviously, we now run wrapped chocolates because of uh, the current global pandemic that everyone's slowly forgetting about. Um, someone had raided my box of chocolates and eaten <laughs> and eaten half of them. And you were adamant it was me. And you were well, you would be. You would be. Even I asked your wife, and she said, even if you didn't eat them, you probably took them and hid them. But but <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it turns out it wasn't you. We've got a we've got a suspect, and he's from Partia, and that yeah. should that should um that should be enough enough information. That narrows it down. Yeah. Your people will know who he is. <laughs> <clears throat> and he's got a mohawk and a heap of tattoos. No, um, yeah, pretty stoked. To be fair, was um. Again, like I said, a lot of uh, good shooters there. Um, yeah. So what were you running? Uh, Howa 1500 in my um, MDT ACC chassis. Yep, short action, not a mini action, so short action. So, yep. you, so you run um, uh, 223 AI sort of style mags from MDT. Uh, then my Delta Striker. So it's essentially my comp gun with just a different barrel. Um, barrel action swapped out, so it keeps everything the same. Ish. Same trigger. Well, trigger set the same. Um, all of that stuff so your gun was fine no issues mags ran fine no problems there to be fair I'd never actually used the mags until um, I zeroed the gun so I'm glad they worked really really well Um, and Jeff sorted those out for me as he always does Um, yeah no gun gun was fine Um, gun wasn't the issue the shots I missed were um, due to issues on my end but I yeah just consistency I didn't clear anything but um, consistency and I was on 73.5% so that's yeah, a few hits. Yeah, one hit of Yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, it was. Um, I think it was. It was fun to, like I said, to actually compete at one of the RTD events. I don't often get to do it, so thanks to Simon for taking care of uh, match director um, duties, running around and um, and uh, and keeping on everyone. And then also to our volunteers on all three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we had a bunch of people give up their time. 
<coughs> in the lead up to during and after the event um a lot of people actually it's a it's a big list so thank you to all of them for helping make this happen obviously thank you to mark for hosting us um yeah yeah blah blah right, fourth yeah. event in four months so it's been pretty busy up at the farm so we'll give it a break for a little while did July. you see any interesting stuff in the weekend at, at your farm like guns and shit uh i like that we've talked about it before i might might see if we can borrow it that um straight pull two two three yes that's the one made by gun supplies in rotorua that's cool yeah. man it's the i don't know what the model's it's a called. beast it's very cool um and then i had a shot with a mdt hnt 26 stock oh did your one finally turn up no no i had a shot with someone who had one eg stewart oh okay so you'll you'll be looks like to be fair you're going to be the last person in new zealand to get yours Oh yeah, um, Excite, but <clears throat> it's exciting to see one in the flesh though. Yes, and, no, no. It's a nice, nice, set, very nice setup. Agreed. With um, the Vortex LHT, God, there's so many HTs and NTs. Ah, Light Hunter Tactical four and a half to twenty. Oh, is it the two? Gen two version? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's got a red, a little basic reticle in it too, doesn't it? The more zoomy, yeah, Christmas tree and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one sweet hunting setup. The carbon fiber barrel very balanced yep you'll be able to get one of those and ignore your waypoint <laughs> or the carbon light yeah or whatever mm. else you've got yeah mm. but you yeah, know again um so again big weekend uh, thanks to gpre as well um a lot of time is put in there um a lot of time from them um yeah, I think that about sums up the event. It was, again, no major issues. Um, Were there any Razor Gen 3s, did you see? No, I didn't. I th- only person I know... I there, there must have been someone. The only no? people I know who own them uh, were here at HNT there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, actually, it might have been on the Timberwolf. Could have been. Yeah, I didn't pay enough attention. Um, yeah, but again, cool. Um, it's not Sorry, it's not uncommon to see pretty flash setups now, like it was back in half a decade ago. But um, 2019. Yeah, the first one. Uh, Mark's currently working on an honours board, so um, if you were a podium finisher or a winner in the past, you may see yourself on the wall in the future. I don't know what he's planning there. Maybe he's going to build us a club rooms. Um, I've, yeah. spread, I've spreadsheeted it so far. It'll make it look like an honours board. Going back when you had a long range and a medium range class, class in yeah, 2019. Before it was all refined. And then a sportsman class. Yep. <laughs> sportsman class. He's laughed at me three oh. times now about this class. So. Packet of sportsman 25s, durries. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, um, winner. thank you for bringing that up, Mark. Um, but yeah, that about sums up <clears throat> everything to do with the shoot. Um, yep. Went well. Uh, it'll be back. Um, and then... We sort of head into our quiet period, which is going to be good. Uh, we've got the <coughs> excuse me, uh, pre-raw event uh, this coming in a couple of days. GPRE, mm. nice sort of low-key field shoot. Um, what are you taking to that, Mark? The waypoint. The waypoint. The waypoint. Hmm. So yeah. I'm either going to take a my ticker. Or six five, uh, sorry, two sixty, or the Howa six five fifty five. Yeah, um, TBD. But um, now, if your HNT twenty six somehow gets here with enough time for me to put it on and check the zero, we'll run the HNT twenty six, the Hunt twenty six. Yeah. 
It'll come out with epoxy glue all over it. I guarantee it. Yeah, it'll come out all oh, scratched Graham, and fucked. Mark, you won't believe what happened. I uh, I glued it. Snapped the snapped the folder off the wrong way. I, I glued it back on. It's I, fine. I glued the action to the chassis. <laughs> Bedded <coughs> myself with some glue. Yeah. Well, people do it. This, uh, anyway, but yeah. Um, hmm. So we've got that anyway, and we'll um, we'll have a chat about that in a couple of weeks, plus whatever else we've been up to. But I think that about wraps up right episode 36. Right. Thank you for listening. Um, again, we're heading into quiet period. We've got a um, so it's a good chance for you guys to all do some practice if you are one of the New Zealand guys who shoots comps. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Get, get ready practice for on deer. No, practicing on deer is literally the worst thing you can do. Deer are too big; they're easy to hit. Um, okay. Yeah practice on small targets small deer if you half okay if the average target size is two moa at a comp practice on one moa targets okay and then a long way away deer yeah (laughs) but yeah anyway um we will you will hear from us soon i guess goodbye everybody righto bye